0: KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One.
1: There's something to be said for that WIT championship that that group will always hold on to, and, and you get we say we get back to there as we have. It can happen. You got to make sure you have the players with the right mentality, right mindset that they want to keep playing. That's what it comes
0: down to. Who wants to keep playing? And our guest this week, Drexel University women's basketball coach Denise Dillon, one of the top coaches in the country, really, has emerged in women's basketball, has them at the near the top of the CIA every year. Denise, thanks for stopping by. Great to be here.
1: Thank you.
0: So this is something I've asked all the basketball coaches that have come through here. How long does it take you to decompress once a season is over? And are you still decompressing here as we talked the last week of April?
1: Uh, Yes, I think I am still decompressing after uh, the season we had, after the finish. Uh, I would say typically uh, after the final four and when you start with some postseason workouts, you start to uh, refocus and think about uh, what you have returning and uh, who you're bringing in. But it just seems a little bit longer. Uh, this year for me. I think the workouts have been great. That's good uh, for all of us to get right back on the floor. Uh, At the same time, it's tough to uh, forget about, or you're never going to forget about it, but let go of uh, the the finish that we had in the CAA this year.
0: Does the fact, and you guys lost a heartbreaker for people that aren't familiar in the CAA title game, that close to the, does it make it harder to put a season in perspective? Because you guys had a great year. And but is it just harder to kind of enjoy that and appreciate that because it's just that man we were so close right
1: yeah it is Uh, I think what was great was uh, our banquet that gave an opportunity to uh, reflect on the year you know everyone talks about it's a journey and then when you when you go back and uh, you remember practice starting at the end of September and uh, those first few games in November that you you were not looking so great so when you see how far. Uh, we came along uh, as a group, you're excited about that. but like any competitor, you know you always want more. And when you saw it in the, the players' eyes, you just want it so badly uh, for them. You know it's just the effort. The growth uh, that was shown and the development throughout the year uh, was great, so you get a taste of the success. Uh, and we went February without losing a game. So you're feeling really good about how you're rolling along in conference play. And we hit a little bit of a wall in uh, March, but we thought that might be a good thing uh, for us going into uh, the tournament. But it does, it takes you a little bit um, of time. I've been doing this long enough to remind myself, and I think it's really good uh, when you're hungry for more and you reflect and you don't think you did a great job. But, yes, you look at the numbers, you recognize it. It was a successful year. You always want that final game.
0: If I'm talking to the 17, 18-year-old Denise Dillon and I lay out your career, honestly, are you surprised? Or would you be like, you know, wins and losses aside, but the, oh, that sounds about right. I can see that.
1: Oh, absolutely not. No. I mean, the where I am, uh, where this game has taken me is remarkable. Uh, at that age, I was quite happy to have the opportunity to play in college. Uh, you know, it worked out for us, Matt. Uh, I'm one of five, um, the fourth of the five. And uh, my dad's uh, rule, his understanding that he made clear to each and every one of us was I'll take care of you till uh, through high school. Uh, he sent us to Carnal O'Hara. Uh, but you're on your own for college. So you figure out how you're going to do it. And I saw my oldest brother, you know, working at UPS to uh, get himself through Penn State. Uh, my sister, uh, who just took a, a different path, she started community college, had to take some time uh, between, and then finished up at Villanova. Uh, and my one brother, he uh, went the route of trade. He's a tree arborist. Um, but myself, I was blessed to be able to play the game of basketball, and that was the reason I was able to go to college. I would have taken uh, a path like my older siblings, um, such as that. So you talk to 17, 18-year-old Denise, it's yeah, it is one day at a time. It's one year at a time figuring out uh, what is next.
0: So you're at Cardinal O'Hara. When did you start to realize that colleges were, that it was a legitimate possibility? I think every kid that plays in high school dreams about it. Sure. But when did it start to think, hey, this I can do this?
1: I, I would say it was sophomore, sophomore year. Uh, and there were some talks even within freshman year. Uh, our team was good. It was coming along nicely, uh, my freshman year. And, uh, you know, the recruiting process is so different, uh, now, uh, than it was, there is a lot of freedom in the conversations you can have with players now, but you have to go through the coaches. Then they could write you anytime they could call you. Uh, I would go to St. Joe's games and, you know, see the coaches and they would talk. Uh, my dad was big on taking us to local games. So, uh, once I, I saw that they were interested, like just even having a conversation, I thought, wow, all right, I need to really hone in on uh, my craft here and uh, get better and figure out a way uh, for me to go to college. So it, it was fairly early in my career that it seemed uh, a possibility.
0: You go to Villanova, were they always, once they got in, were they always the leader or could have been a different path uh, yeah. if a different decision was made?
1: It, it is uh, – An interesting, it's a a funny story, and I think we have some little bit of time here. But I, uh, yeah, I looked locally. It was St. Joe's, uh, Villanova, Penn State, and and Rutgers. And uh, I would say because it was Steph Gately who uh, recruited me at Richmond when she was there, but then got the St. Joe's job, and and it was Jim Foster Pryor. So I I really, uh, I felt that it it was more St. Joe's. Again, my dad uh, grew up in Overbrook, so he would take me to more St. Joe's games. Uh, so, I just was always a big fan. So, I, th- I would say they were the front runner. And then, when Steph got the job uh, at St. Joe's, she was very honest. She told me, uh, she said, we're, we're still interested, but they have already had a commitment from a player. Uh, so, I only have one other scholarship. And if one of my players from Richmond comes with me, we won't have any. That player was Amy Mallon.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, it's pretty wild. So, I laugh. I'm like, Amy took my she's, I were to go to she's your Joseph. long time
0: assistant for exactly. people but great
1: mm-hmm. so she uh so amy uh came in and again i knew i would stay local uh and obviously villanova a tremendous opportunity i went uh, to villanova and amy happened to be my uh, assistant uh she worked with harry my senior year so amy was uh, assistant my senior year learned a great deal from her she's a tremendous player and then uh Amy went back to St. Joe's as an assistant, which opened up the position for me. And I, Harry offered me the job. So it's funny how our uh, basketball worlds have circled. And then when I got the job at Drexel, it was a no-brainer. I said, all right, Amy, let's go. <laughs> Time to get back. So, yeah.
0: How was the transition to college as far as you were obviously very talented and very good? Was there a trepidation at first just because you're jumping into the college game, or pretty early where you like, you know, this is the natural progression and I feel good?
1: Well, I wasn't um, a great offensive player uh, in high school. Uh, again, we had a, a great team. We had a very good team. But I was more uh, a defensive player and a uh, rebound in the basketball. I would score off layups, you know, maybe off a steal, but wasn't much of a shooter. Uh, and, again, that, that was Harry. It was something he saw in me as a player and as soon as I got there, it was from day one, like working on my footwork. Uh, and he was he, he's such a teacher of the game, but how repetitive he was about really um, ingraining that in you. Like, OK, footwork it starts with that. You get that down. Then we're going to work on uh, the release and all your, your shooting form. So it was really just uh, buying into what uh, he was teaching and what he was saying. So uh, I had that chance early to play, uh, I think, because of. You know, where Villanova was at that point, like just trying, you know, they were great, and then they had some years they were rebuilding. And I came in at the right time to have a chance to play right away. So, uh, yeah, I was just growing in that offensive game. And Harry's rule was I can remember telling me like I was out on the floor. He's like, "If you're not going to shoot the ball, you're going to sit on the bench." And I did not want to be on the bench, so I uh, I start shooting the ball <laughs> more and more each year.
0: So when did. Uh... When did you really feel as a player that I'm um, um, at the collegiate level, I'm really good? I mean, you made the Big Five, you're in the Big Five Hall of Fame. So yeah. you're, you were really good. Uh, you got that opportunity. How long did it take you before you realized that other teams struggle to deal with me at both ends?
1: Well, I think the uh, role that uh, Harry put me in was, it was early, it was my uh, freshman year. Um, just looking to do a little bit more than maybe I even thought I was capable of doing. Uh, So then it was sophomore year, just uh, realizing, again, what you're saying, both ends of the floor. Like I always feel like if you're in check and you're playing defense, I think of it as a coach, but I always thought as a player also, then you're impacting the game. So, you know, the rebounding rebounding was so crucial. Uh, I would say offensively, it, it was probably that sophomore year where I thought, okay, yeah, I can do different things. You know, it's not, it's, being able to, the versatility, being able to play uh, with my back to the basket or facing up, and then again developing uh, more of the outside shot. So yeah, it was definitely that year. And within the teams that we were playing, I mean, it was you know Connecticut. So you're playing against the best, and I was aware that they were the best. So and when you're falling into getting recognized as all conference, and you're thinking, wow, there's some top players. I mean, my junior year, UConn won the national championship. So uh, you're seeing Jen Rosati and Rebecca Lobo. Uh, and you're mentioning the same uh, class as them with the uh, all-conference recognition. You're like, oh, geez, I better step it up. I better keep uh, working. We got to get these guys. They, they were never easy to get.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> what uh, are there any games from your your playing career when you think about Villanova that just that just kind of pop when you you think back to those days?
1: Uh, well, it was early. It was when we beat UConn at their place. Uh, you know that was huge. I mean that just it not only gives you confidence as a player, but just as a team, you know, you know, uh, you can face anyone, you can compete against them. I'd say the other was uh, Georgia when they came to our place um, and played in a tournament, uh, getting them. So it's, you know, of course you think of some of those big names, but uh, the rivalry of uh, St. Joe's Villanova was always great. And yeah, my freshman year, I go back to Amy Mallon, they, they kicked us. (laughs) I think she single-handedly beat us, but yeah, each and every year that game was was something. So it was nice. It was like an every other year thing. Uh they'd get us, we'd get them. I think it was like the home and away. You know, we play at their place, then it happen. But you remember I I think I remember uh as a coach, you know, of course I remember every every game, but um I still as a player, I'll remember each and every one of them.
0: When did coaching appear on your radar? Did you always once you start playing in high school and college, did you always kind of think in the back of your mind that will eventually be a path, or was it a situation as your playing days are winding down, you're like, okay, what's next? What uh, am
1: gonna do. Well, I always knew I would coach at some level. Um, I was an education major. I loved working camps or clinics with uh, the the younger kids. You know, just the idea of being able to teach them some things that I learned and seeing them. Understand it or work on it uh, was always very rewarding, and uh, it was my junior year, uh, late mid February. I had a, a shoulder injury, so I was sidelined for the first time, like in since I started playing basketball, you know, fourth grade CYO, that I wasn't out on the floor, and it really gave me a chance. Again, I always felt that um, I was a coachable player, where. Uh, you know, if your coach is saying do this, you're going to do it. But it was a different perspective. I can remember sitting on the bench and hearing what Harry was saying, like to the whole team or, you know, when they were out there, and I'm thinking, why aren't they doing that? So it just gave me a different uh, view of things. So it was then that I said, I want to do this. Like, I want to do it at this level. Uh, because I thought younger kids were listening and they were sponges. I thought, imagine the talent they have in college if they were to listen and uh, continue to get better and develop how good they could be. So it was, I can remember it so clearly, uh, the game and looking out and thinking like, all right, this is what I want to do. How am I going to do it? I don't know yet. You know, that was conversation uh, to be had my senior year or thereafter. But, uh, yeah, it just, again, I was very lucky that it worked out as soon as uh, I graduated.
0: So those first couple of years as an assistant, is it, at first what you thought it would be, or was it more difficult? Was it different? How did it measure up to when you're having those thoughts watching from the bench there? Yeah,
1: it it was very different. It was, I I would say that first year is is the hardest. You know, you lose your identity as a player, and now you're on the same bench as a coach and trying to get uh, the players to understand. I was really just the connection between Harry and and the players of he's saying this because and you know just given that understanding but it, it was extremely hard because you just wanted to do it you know you want to be out there so i think that's the the best teaching point uh to my young self as a coach you can't just tell them like just do this you know just, why can't you just drive to the basket with your left hand and finish there has to be uh the explanation behind it or um, more information, you know, detailed information. So uh, it, it was, you know, that first year was definitely challenging. But it, it was exciting because I had an opportunity to do a lot of the court, um, on-court workouts, the, the, the player development, which to this day still is one of my favorites.
0: Was being the same age virtually as the players at that point a benefit? Was it? Did it make it tougher because – Maybe some kids, it's hard to look at you as a as a coach because they're, they're, they've played with you. They're right there with you.
1: Yeah, it it actually wasn't, and I'm lucky in that case. I, I think maybe because we only had a couple juniors, and one uh, was in Jen Beisel who had played with us throughout. So she was always asking, like out on the floor when we were playing together, like what should I do, uh, what needs to be done. And then uh, some of the other, it was. Yeah, it was just a different uh, setup. I don't know if I just seemed like our senior class. There were four of us, and the two, myself and Jen Snell, we had a, a little bit of a different role, like as captains. It was it, it wasn't so much the teammate; it was overseeing what they were doing and trying to help them grow and develop. So it was um, that was a little more natural, uh, me moving into a coaching role.
0: How tough was it to leave Villanova to go? to Drexel as an assistant at first, but did it just feel like it's time to, to kind of blaze my own trail?
1: Exactly. It, that's exactly what it was. It just felt like it was time. I was there four years as a player and then four years as an assistant. and With the opportunity, I had moved into a um, a, a recruiting uh, position. At that time, you had the three assistant coaches and only two were recruiting coaches. So I moved into that second assistant position. So I had that experience. And, um, yeah, I had just felt, all right, I have to see if this is really what I want to do. Is this going to be my career uh, for the next 30 years or uh, should I get back into uh, the teaching element or uh, an athletic director at uh, a high school or middle school? So they were some thoughts that I was having in my uh, mid-20s. And yeah, so it was the best situation in the sense as an assistant to really allow me to show what I, I learned and, and grow in a whole nother area. And, and when I say area of the game and then uh, branch it off into the, the big city.
0: Was there ever a doubt? Was it always going to be in Philadelphia at that point? Did you know you were planting your flag here one way or another? Or did you consider if the right opportunity comes in Ohio or Michigan or wherever, uh, I'll take a chance?
1: Yeah, I think I would have at that uh, time taken a chance if it, it was uh, elsewhere. And it, it it wasn't they were the first call, and so it even worked out better that I was able to stay close to family.
0: So you come on Drexel, and it's amazing to me because I've had other people like you I've talked to for years, and I always learn something new when I start researching this. The fact that you your first year as head coach, you were actually quote unquote an interim head coach. What was that like having? I guess it's basically a prove it year for a coach, right?
1: Yes, exactly. I, I think every year it's a, a, <laughs> a prove it year uh, for a coach. But it, it was, it, it was exactly that. You, you know, you're an assistant, uh, making a change. You're here, so let's see what you can do in a, a different role. So, yes, yeah, certainly was a prove it year. And for me, it, it was again. It wasn't something that I pursued. Like when they made the change. It was our vice president who had contacted me and said, would you uh, take this position if offered? And once again, it was just another um, aha moment of, oh, I have to see if this is what I'm supposed to do. If I'm meant to to do this, is this going to be my career? You know, 27 at the time, 28. And uh, yeah, so I, I just felt, again, I was extremely lucky, but I almost felt like I have nothing to lose. Let's see. Let's give it a shot.
0: Did it help to be in that situation younger? Because I think that, that, to me, from the outside looking in, that seems like a tough situation kind of having that, you know, we'll see how it goes and kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. Well, I always felt, I mean, the reason I went down to Drexel was I felt that it could be a program that could win. You know, I just felt it offered a lot and uh, that that something was missing like just to, to get them over the hump. And, Again, at that age, you're naive, of course. So you're like, well, I can do this. And at the same time, it was a program that had only had one winning season in 10 years. So I was like, let's give it a go. So I I don't think uh, if I was somewhere for a long period of time and it was established and uh, we're going, then a little more of a high risk. So at that point, I was like, here we are.
0: So what was the first year like?
1: First year? It was tough. It was tough in the sense of losing. You know, I, of course, struggled with that, and take, you take the full responsibility on, but it wasn't so bad because every practice was good, and uh, we were competing in games. We were losing games, uh, but we were losing close games. So I could see that the players were already buying into what we were teaching and what we were about and making the adjustment to our style and, and system. So that was so promising. Uh, and it was remarkable, and just trying to convince, and I think they were aware they knew like, oh my gosh, we were getting beat by these guys, you know by twenty, and now it 's a possession game, and that 's what we always talk about being a possession game, so it went from yeah, we were, won ten games that first year, ten nineteen or ten twenty one and then flipped it the following year won nineteen games, so you could see just them being aware, all right we 're competing, and then they were convinced when we told them you're going to compete this year and you're going to win those games next year. And they did just that. And we had a couple players that certainly helped along. Like one of our first recruits in Catherine Scanlon being an O'Hara girl. uh, She immediately was like, all right, what do you need me to do? I'll do it. And when you have that, you know, you're going to turn some things around quickly.
0: Do you remember your first one?
1: First? I do remember it was St. Peter's. Yeah. At their place. And it was not a pretty game. And Again, it's funny you ask about enjoying this season, looking back on this season, and appreciating 24 wins. I couldn't even appreciate that being my first win because it was December. And I'm like, we didn't win a game in November. So I was so angry about that uh, that, no, I, I couldn't really appreciate my first college collegiate win. But that's to be it.
0: That first year, when did it feel – I mean, did it feel like – because you had been on staff, for the, but did it feel like everything was going a million miles an hour that first year as a head coach? Or because you were familiar with the kid, you weren't yeah. coming in cold, uh, was there more of a comfort that, hey, I just kind of moved up a seat and, you know, now I, I make the defensive calls and stuff?
1: Yeah, it wasn't to the point where it was overwhelming and I ever questioned whether I should do this. It really just, taking some of the hits, some of the losses was the biggest thing to get over, get over yourself, move on, uh, figure it out, but... Thanks to the players for just being on board and willing to figure it out with me, just made it that much better and enjoyable. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a a rat race.
0: What's the biggest difference in you as a coach from that first year to now?
1: I think we'd have to ask (laughs) Catherine Scanlon, uh, who might remember it uh, the best. Um, I would say the expectation but reminding myself to be patient within, you know, not accelerating the the process of teaching and development, always bringing myself back to that. Uh, I, I would say then just the, yeah, the excitement of it, it being new. And, you know, every day it's almost like a freshman. You know, we tell our freshmen every day it is something new for them. They, they don't know what they're in store for, uh, uh, whether it's the next practice, they've never gone through it for a full cycle. So uh, that, that's the difference, How, knowing now uh, what it's going to be like and then just trying to talk yourself back and be present uh, as opposed to then you're just taking in every, every day, every game, every practice. So, yeah, that's a big difference.
0: How does the interim title come off? Is there a meeting at the end of the season? Is it something during the season? They say we like what we see. Would this be something you'd be interested in?
1: Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of discussion.
0: Just kind about of about
1: it after the year. Yeah, it was basically okay. This you know not works reminded, for us. If it works yeah, for you, it may not have been great, but yeah, we think we have good opportunity. We had we signed a nice class that year, so they were on
0: board. And it's time for a break here on one-on-one. We will have more with Drexel University women's basketball coach Denise Dillon right after this. I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called one-on-one with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. And we're back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Drexel University women's basketball coach Denise Dillon. The 08-09 season, mm-hmm. you win the the CAA, and you're led Gabriella Marginian, who every once in a while I'll come across a player who, when you look at his or her numbers, you figure there's got to be a number out of place because they're so like out of whack with everything else. And she's one of those players. Yeah. Like I looked at the, she's still. I mean, obviously, your leading scorer. She had scored more than twenty five hundred points. Mm-hmm. Still, like seven hundred points ahead of right. number two. So, talk about bringing her on board and what she meant to the program at at that point in your coaching career.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable, uh, Gabby's numbers, her stats. Uh, uh, Doug West from Villanova was Gabby's uh, AD, athletic director, down at a small boarding school in west virginia so gabby's originally from romania uh, but knowing she wants to play basketball uh, the next level comes to the states her parents send her here for her junior and senior year of high school and doug had called harry and called myself and said i think this kid slipped through the cracks you know people aren't coming to see her uh, and harry was all set with his recruiting class and he had said to me you, you know you might want to check her out and uh so I had already signed a kid from Sweden, a player from uh, Virginia. We had uh, one other, and I was thinking, like, well, we already signed three uh, or got three commitments. Um, I don't know, that's going to be a big class. So my assistant and I, Melissa Dunn, at the time, we drive down to West Virginia, and we're just watching her practice, watching her warm up. And Matt, I mean, she is, does everything – Aggressively, she does everything right. You know, she runs and hits half court at full speed on layups, gets the ball, uh, just attacking like all. Oh, there's a lot that needs to improve, but you just see, you're like, wow, this is this is exactly what we need uh, to really give us that boost, that competitiveness, that practice. And uh, did not envision her scoring 2,500 points, but you could, you, you knew that she uh, could help you a great deal. So, yeah, we brought her for a visit and offered and I didn't think we were going to get her just her shyness she was very reserved and didn't say much, but uh, we got her and she was a player uh, that just sensed uh the the care that you had for her, the genuine uh concern about obviously being far from home and wanting her to be a great player and we uh, worked with her, and she certainly worked with us, and she was just one of the I would say it at practice that I could uh, remember saying. If I told Gabby to run out to the food truck to grab a pretzel, she wouldn't even blink an eye. She'd be like, "All right, you want me to get a pretzel? I'll go get a pretzel and come back," you know, with the in the middle of a drill, but she would never she never questioned anything uh that you were teaching or doing and yeah, she was tremendous. She was the most efficient player. I mean, you see the the numbers, but her percentage uh was great, and she would just go. She had a motor like no one else.
0: When did you start to realize like offensively What her ceiling was because I mean you saw obviously Mm -hmm. there but once you get her in and you get her in the system and you start to when did you start to think like my goodness we're going to be able to do some things that we haven't been able to do before
1: Uh, again watching her when I went back to uh, watch her senior year at a game um, and then talking to her I I gave her a call that week and she was just asking she's like well where do you see me playing and I said to be honest Gab like you you know you play the four five now because you're you know six one uh, six feet tall but you um you're going to play like the two, three, four, five. Like you can play every position uh, for us. We're going to extend your range. Uh, We'll work on the three. And she's like, three, I don't even, I've never shot a three. And I said, no, no, I'm talking, you know, sophomore into junior year, junior into senior. Like it's a, that's what you want to do each year, develop a different area of your game. Uh, But her ability to move, like she moved so well without the ball and had great hands at, you didn't even have to worry about the outside shot. she could just catch it on the the move and score. um she had one of the best spin uh moves I've seen like teams would try and double team her, but she was so quick to put it down and spin back uh, the other side before the double got there so yeah, I your eyes just lit up like knowing she could play so many spots and you didn't want to overwhelm her again you know she's from Romania she um came to the states learning all these new plays and terminology in the game so Freshman year, it was really just about, you go, and uh, we'll we'll pull the reins back when necessary. But I think that really helped her, being able to just play and then start understanding the style and system that we were running. You know, what was it, her Northeastern, when we had that five overtimes? I think she scored 45 yeah. points or something. It was crazy. <laughs> she was a freshman.
0: <laughs> so she helps get you guys, you guys win the title in 09, mm-hmm. go to the NCAA tournament. Well, What was that like?
1: Yeah, it it was tremendous. And it's the same thing as a coach. You break it down and you do a five-minute, I mean a uh, five-year vision board, and and you're looking. So when I started at Drexel and I bring Amy in uh, that second year, the the conversation was there. We're like, all right, I'm going to look to compete for a championship uh, within the next uh, five years, like breaking it down, winning seasons, this, that and the other. And we were right on point when we had that group. Uh, together. You know, worked Andrea Peterson as our point guard and just did a tremendous job directing. Uh, But as Gabby went, we went. And that was her best year. Her junior year was uh, her best year. So uh, we started slow. It it was not a great non-conference wise. It wasn't a good year. Uh, We're in December in the St. Joe's tournament. It was terrible. You know, everybody is what of we fired like it was it was bad and all of a sudden you know we had that break uh, and to get ready for conference play and just got everybody on board with what needed to be done and ran through the the conference uh, what did we go 16 and two in conference and then uh, right through the tournament to beat old Dominion you know for it was the first time in 17 years that they hadn't won a championship so yeah that, that was obviously a special year being the first championship but the way we did it uh, made it extra special
0: was that first half of that season you talk about the struggles was that your toughest part because you kind of have the group right you think you should have mm-hmm. it's one thing when you're kind of starting and you're building but how tough was that for you as you're still a young yeah. coach working through that
1: yeah it, it was but it, a lot of it uh was cleaned up off the court you know you know you're, you're trying to pound in Uh, this is what we're running, this is the offense, how efficiently you have to run it, you're getting on them about their defense, um, not working together. It was the conversations off the court that got uh, them working better together. As I said, Andrea Peterson, uh, just a great uh, floor general out out there, Uh, and she was a little older uh, than her teammates because she had transferred in, so she had sat out that year. So it, it was just the conversations with her about connecting with her teammates off the floor. Now she and Gabby were really good friends. So that helped, you know, Gabby was no dummy. She knew to have her point guard as her, her best (laughs) bud. Uh, but we had four freshmen at the time and we were playing, uh, three of them significant minutes. So, uh, she took them, Andrea started taking them under her, her wing and you could just see the shift, you know, when they start, uh, trusting each other and, uh, looking out for each other. Of course, it carried over onto the court. So uh, that, that was fun to see. And, Again, you don't think you're young at the time when you're in the position as a coach. Uh, but when I look back on that, I, I felt it could have just gone completely wrong like had we not recognized the importance of trying to get the the chemistry better you know, off the floor. Had we just kept pounding it in, we would have lost them. And obviously we wouldn't have had the result that we, we ended up with. So it was great.
0: So what's that week like after you win it and you get before you – Play that first round, and it's Kansas State, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Just what's that? In, I mean, that's got to be like being on top of the world. There.
1: Yes. I mean, after the uh, game down at JMU, winning that championship, and and being all right with getting on the bus late night and, and driving back, getting there at uh, four in the morning, uh, back to Drexel. Uh, yeah, you're just riding uh, high. It's a quick turnaround because our CA tournament is uh, that uh, the week after most of the right. women's tournaments. So. It was as soon as we finished the game that Sunday, you're finding out uh, right away where you're going. And, uh, yeah, we we had to figure out travel plans to get to New Mexico. So it it was quick. It was just a couple practices. You get there and, wow, you took a little punch in the face when you got (laughs) to see Kansas State. But uh, we we definitely enjoyed uh, the experience nonetheless.
0: It is very hard in this day and age, if not next to impossible, to end a Division I season mm-hmm. with a win. But you were able to do that right. a few years later, 2012-2013, when you guys win the WNIT. What was that ride like?
1: Yeah. That whole uh, story is the ride, as you say. It was wild, I mean, it was remarkable. Again, we were in a position... Uh, in the cia get ourselves uh to the championship game against great team in in delaware with elena Deladon and uh we were there like we we were we had the lead we were doing great it's a possession game and um uh, once again a player like elena Deladon uh takes over and it's a different story so we lose it by three and then uh A bit of a a letdown. I give all the credit to uh, the team uh, led by Holly Mershon. We lost that game on a Sunday. We know we're not going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Excited to continue to play. You know, you have postseason with the WNIT. Uh, But it was different because they they sensed it. You know, they they sensed the chance with that championship. Um, Holly Mershon sent out a, a group text or email. I don't remember which one. And she didn't realize that the coaches, that myself and Amy were on the text. And once I read that, and I'm glad I was, because once I read that, again, it was, all right, these guys are ready to go. You better be ready to go. She had said, okay, we didn't get the championship we want. We have another chance at a championship. So if you guys are with me, I promise I'll, I'll lead you. I'll do whatever it takes for us to get that. And actually what she promised was a cruise that she, If we won the championship, she promised her teammates a cruise. That has never happened. <laughs> we always bring it up to her. So they were ready. That first practice, they were ready to go. And, yeah, they showed it. We played uh, – we have Iona first. And Harvard, Harvard was probably the best game uh, of the year. I mean, it, it was like high-octane offense. You don't see that much from the Dragons. But uh, both teams were scoring back and forth. It was just a whole different feel had from the team. So – uh, it was from the beginning. We had those two games at home, and we hit the road, and they just kept going. Like they had them. It was spring break, and they're like, oh, here we are in Ohio for spring break and then down to uh, Auburn. So they were enjoying it. They were enjoying the ride, and, yeah, it was all them, and they made it happen. And the sense that I got in that Utah game, the championship game, because it was a close one, again, a game of possessions, and I can remember being on the sideline, As it was coming down to the wire, we had to press. We were down, and I thought I cannot face this team in the locker locker room with a loss. Like they, they've gotten themselves here. Like they deserve this. And next thing, Renee Johnson Allen steals the ball. Get a timeout. Holly scores a layup. We go up. It was unbelievable, and it, it was so. It was just such a cool series. But again, the power to the players for sure. They wanted it. Holly. Her will and determination led them, and they got the job done. So, yeah, we finished the season. I was like, this is amazing. You finish with a win.
0: Yeah, because that's – the. I mean, you know, you go to NCAA tournament, 60, you know, whatever it is, 63 of 64 going to end with a loss. And to be able to go out of a season like that is – you know, do you ever – the benefit of – an NCAA tournament appearance that ends quickly or WNIT that ends in a championship. How do they compare?
1: Yeah, it's uh, the experience. I think every player, and that's obviously our goal, is um, to have them experience the NCAA tournament. I mean, you, you want that for them. That's, of course, why it's every meeting that a coach is having with their team, with their players. What is your goal? Go to the Win conference championship and go to the NCAA tournament. So, of course, you want to see that. Uh, within that case, it, you know, it's it is indescribable. You can't trade it. You know, if people had said, Would you have rather won that CA championship and then yeah, go off and face whomever and um, get your doors, the doors blown off, well, what would you take? Well, it, it's, again, hard to factor because now you have. Uh, Taste of both. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see them all get a chance for the NSA tournament. Uh, but there, there's something to be said for that WNIT championship that that group will always hold on to. And hey, you get, we say we get back to there as we have, it can happen. But you got to make sure you have the players with the right mentality, right mindset that they want to keep playing. That's what it comes down to. Who wants to keep playing? Uh, you know, there's some something to be said with the WNIT, there's a little bit more you know, with the parody with the, the matchups, uh, there's a level there that you can, uh, get a game from someone, especially when you're hosting as well. So you have that advantage.
0: When you boil it down, you've had a ton of success as a head coach. What do you think are the biggest reasons? What do you think kind of helps set you apart from a lot of coaches?
1: Well, I would say with the people I work with, with, uh, our staff, uh, being able to retain great coaches uh, has, has been the, the greatest impact. Uh, just having people who have the same vision that you do, same determination, same competitive edge, uh, but at the end of it, you have all those things as intangibles, but I would say the number one is just your, your genuine care for people you know, and wanting them to succeed. So that would be, I think, the reason why I've had success is I don't just want our players to succeed. I want our coaches. I want the university. I want um, our department. Uh, it, it sounds funny, but I compare it even to our players. I'm like, don't you want to look good out on the floor? So here are some things that could help you look good. It's the same thing as us on the sideline. We want to look good. Like we want to represent our university uh, to the highest. So... You gotta find ways to make that happen, and it's reinventing yourself uh, each and every year. You know, you have a different group that comes in, and just finding ways instead of just being so stubborn that this is how we're doing it, this is what's going to work. Yeah, it's again using the term loosely, but it's real. Reinvent yourself.
0: How far has the women's game come since you started playing in the at the collegiate level?
1: It's remarkable, and it. It is impressive to see uh, these w- young women and uh, what they're doing out on the floor for a longer uh, duration. You know, the, the schedule has increased. The, the games, you've added more games to schedule. The uh, practice uh, series has gone longer. You're starting earlier. Uh, so that for them to sustain that level um, consistently is impressive. Uh, and just to watch the, the skill set and the athleticism, how it has increased, is great. I go back, I'd like to see a little more of the fundamentals, you know, because there, there is a great, uh, everyone talks about the skill, and you need uh, more skilled players, but if you add the fundamentals to that skill, really dangerous, and you see that, of course, on the highest level, you see with those teams, but uh, if you continue within uh, across the board, the game's only going to continue to grow.
0: And how about the way the game is covered, the way the mm-hmm. game is received by fans? How has that changed?
1: Yeah, well, that's first and foremost, I think because the game has become more exciting uh, with the the skill set and, and athleticism and, and style of play. Just, getting increasing, not thinking, oh, they can't, you know, women's players can't do this. You're playing the game the same. It might just be below the rim uh, as the guy. So it has been uh, captured by the audience. I, I think... Obviously, the technology today, streaming everything. So you have access to it. And uh, the social media just clips. And it's opened it up with so many younger kids are playing, so many of the younger girls that are now being brought out to catch the women's games in, in droves. It's not just a few of us. You know, when I was young, as I said, when my dad taking us to the games, you look around, a lot of empty seats. Uh, but now you look in the lower bowls filled in some of those bigger places. And I feel our place at the DAC. We always have a, a great crowd, uh, and there's a lot of young uh, girls there who are looking up to our young ladies, but it's it's cool, but it's capturing an audience uh, nationwide, not just in your backyard either.
0: Denise Dillon, head women's basketball coach at Drexel, thanks for stopping by.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. And Episode 8 is
0: in the books. One on One is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on iTunes and leading a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks once again to Drexel University women's basketball coach Denise Dillon for joining us joining us this week. I'm Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.